Good morning. That was much more awake than first service. <clears throat> How are you guys doing? I'm not going to stand behind that the whole time. Sorry. I want to be with you. It's just I need that later. You guys are awesome. Worship in the park was awesome. Anybody, was anybody at worship in the park last week? It was phenomenal. One of the main reasons is God made pigs and pigs make pulled pork. And it was good. It was good. So thank you um, if you were there. Thank you if you volunteered. Thank you if you weren't there and you're here now. Um, and I'm glad that everybody is joining us, whether you're here or online. I know I have a, a few buddies at a campsite somewhere that said they were going to tune in. So I'm really glad to be here with you guys today. Uh, my name is Dylan Meyer. I'm the youth pastor here. So sorry you got stuck with me. Um, I do want to preface with this. Sometimes I, I say things I shouldn't, but I really do think that God speaks from this place. Um, it is my hope and prayer that everything that is spoken today is, is from his word, not my mouth. And so I want you guys, if you have a worship guide, whatever, um, whatever you're taking notes with, if you are taking notes, I want you to write what God has on your heart. I don't care if I don't say it. If it doesn't get said all day, if God says it to your heart, I want you to write that down. Um, even if it's something completely different than what you think I'm saying or whatever, I just want that to, I just want you guys to hear from God today, um, not be stuck with the youth pastor. Um, something about me, though, um, as I mentioned with the pulled pork, I love food. Like, I really love food. Anybody else love food? Anybody else love barbecue? and or anything that looks, smells, or tastes like food, that's me. So I feel very passionately about food. So I've been learning to cook for a couple years now, um, and that has been a blessing because um, when you cook, you get to eat, um, and it helps when it tastes good. So that has been phenomenal. I love food. The thing is that creates some bad habits for me. I have a bad habit of eating too much of food that I like a lot. And so that happens with several things almost religiously. So um, I can pretty much guarantee any time that my wife makes meatloaf, I'm eating too much. Um, any time I go to Coyote Canyon or Golden Corral, anything that looks, acts, or smells like a buffet, I'm eating too much. Um, anytime my in-laws are in town, Olivia's parents always take us out to eat, and then we go from like restaurant to restaurant to restaurant, and I can't stop. Um, anytime my mom makes seven-layered casserole, I eat too much. And pretty much annually every Thanksgiving, and then like the Thanksgiving with, with the in-laws, like that, that was, that is good. They should put that in like premarital counseling, that you will get double Thanksgivings. <laughs> that that, that could have been a good selling point. Um, <laughs> I love my wife. Anyway, I love food, though, and, and I love it so much that I end up in this space where I'm overfull. You know that feeling when you can't stand up straight and you, everything you say is kind of like a moan? I was there like 48 hours ago. Um, and like I said, annually, every Thanksgiving, that's why I only eat turkey on Thanksgiving is because I usually eat so much of Thanksgiving food that I can't even think about it until next year. But something that I've learned is before every one of those moments where I'm like so full that I can't stand up and I just like, I feel like people are gonna have to roll me out of the building. Before that moment, there's always another moment. 
happens every time. Before I am too full, I'm hungry. You see, before I'm full, I'm empty. And so let me tell you about an empty experience for me. Uh, when I was in high school, my parents started watching this show called The Biggest Loser. I don't know if any of you guys have seen it. Um, the thought process is that um, a group of people that are working on bettering their health habits um, go to this place and they, they revamp everything. Um, so they're not at home anymore. They're living at this place with other people that are making the same goals. They have dietitians, they have um, personal trainers, and they just... They relaunch everything to restart better habits. And that's, that's the whole goal. And my mom was, was sold on this. She just thought, wow, this is the coolest thing ever. And so she bought a cookbook. It was the Biggest Loser cookbook. Um, the reason that it works so well is because it's very healthy. And healthy food doesn't taste good. I'm just going to throw that out there. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but vegetables are nasty most of the time. Um, healthy food doesn't always taste good. So... Um, if you're with me there, thank you. If you're disagreeing like my wife is, you'll come around. Um, <laughs> when we got this cookbook, my mom removed anything from the house that had sugar in it. Literally no sugar. We had a few artificial sweeteners, um, which totally didn't work out because um, Splenda and Stevia, I'm allergic to both of them, so don't use those. Um, we got rid of everything that tasted good. Like, it was, it was horrendous. And so I'm hungry a lot now. When I was in high school, I was a bottomless pit. Like, we're talking black hole. You could not shovel enough food in. To Have you ever had a calzone before? Yeah. You ever had the big ones that are like a medium pizza folded in half? Yeah. At this point in my life, I could eat one of those by myself in a single sitting. And, I, and that, was a, that was one of those moments that I was not over full. Like, I was satisfied. That was a pleasant experience. <laughs> and we had no food in the house. And healthy food, most of the time, requires prep work. They don't pre-make stuff that's good for you. That's dumb. Um, and so this was a real struggle. I was hungry all the time. And what I noticed is in my hunger, I would just throw myself at anything that looked or smelled like food. And this was, <laughs> this was the beginning of a few moments that I'm not very proud of. Um, there was a few moments that I found myself with a spoon, no bowl, um, in non-fat frozen yogurt that was like off-brand. I didn't even know that was a thing, fat-free frozen yogurt. It was the closest thing to ice cream that we had. I had like a half gallon by myself in a single sitting. I was hungry, and that's just the first thing that I found. Um, there was a couple things like that. Like, it's, I just I couldn't find anything. So the first thing that I found that I could eat right then, I was like, yes, mine. And then eventually we talked her into letting us have stuff in the house for peanut butter jellies. And so that's what I had for like three months straight is I just had a ton of peanut butter and then jelly and pieces of bread. Like, you ever do the Dagwood sandwiches where you have so much that you have to put a third piece of bread in the center? That was me. Yeah. I don't like being hungry. This is not cool. I'm not a fan of that, and I know this is an absolutely pitiful story because hunger is a real problem for a lot of people. But I'm going to be honest. I felt like I was legitimately hungry in those instances. I was not a fan of that feeling. I hate being hungry. I just don't like it. I don't like being empty. I love being full. Full's fantastic. I like that. But I hate being empty. And I think that that's where we find ourselves a lot of time is... We don't 
like being empty. We hate emptiness. Does anybody like being hungry? That's an awful feeling. There's like five people in this room probably that won't say anything when I say this, but they love silence. Everybody else hates it. Everybody hates silence, a good chunk of us. Like if you sit in a room and there's that awkward pause in the conversation and instead of saying something, you just let it sit and then it's like so tense that you can feel it. We hate, we hate that. We hate silence. We hate hunger. We hate emptiness. We hate empty space. Does anybody have an empty room in their house? Because I have a spare room that's not an empty room. That's how that works. Like, I, if there's an empty space, I fill it. I'm really good at that because I don't like empty. I just don't. I hate it. I hate empty. But I think that that's something that we have to come to peace with is that it's okay that we don't like that. I don't want to come to peace with being empty. I don't want to come to peace with being hungry. I need food. Kind of like it. Definitely need it. We were designed to be full. We have a hunger for fullness. That's, that's why we consume. We give our culture a lot of crap for being a consuming culture. A portion of that is necessity. We need substance. That's something that we need. That's, that's why we look for it. That is something that we desire because we hate emptiness. And so when we feel emptiness, I know that I will do almost anything I can to fill it. That void in my stomach, I will fill with just about anything I can find in the fridge or cupboard. But sometimes that's how I approach life too. If I feel that emptiness in my life, I will do almost anything to fill it. I will throw myself at all kinds of things I have no business messing with just to fill that for a little bit. And if I can't fill it with what's supposed to go there, I'll medicate it with whatever is next. Whatever, whatever is second best, I'll settle for that. If that means that I don't have to feel that empty anymore. If I can't fix it, I'll medicate it. If I can't solve the problem, I'll numb it. Because I hate hunger. I hate being empty. Because it hurts. Hunger pains are real. And that's not just in your stomach. It's in our lives. When we have that emptiness, there's an aching that comes along with it. When you're sitting in your living room with the TV not off for the first time almost ever, and you're not consuming something for five seconds, and you feel that in the bottom of your stomach, something's missing. So you turn on the TV, and you realize, well, that wasn't it. So you go to the fridge, that wasn't it. Sometimes we are looking for whatever we can find to fill that emptiness. And that's not a new feeling. That is not a new thing. Sometimes I think that we get caught up in this idea that our culture is making everything over again. Like everything is brand new to us, so it must be brand new to everything. No, this feeling's been around. This problem has been here. And so if you want to open your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes, we're going to hang 
um, in the first two verses. We'll get there in a minute. Um, and so we're, we're just going to focus right there. And the reason is because the first two verses are kind of a mantra for the entire book of Ecclesiastes. And so if we get all done with this and you're like, gosh, I wish you would have read some more scripture, go home. Read some scripture. Go to your car. Read some scripture. I don't care where you go. Feel free to dive into this. That is okay. But the book of Ecclesiastes was written in the Old Testament, and we're fairly certain that it was written by King Solomon. This would have been the son of David. Um, he was the one that Jesus, or sorry, God spoke to, um, and he prayed for wisdom, and so God gave him wisdom. And so this book is him living life and wrestling with that emptiness that we wrestle with every day. And so the whole book basically is him trying to fill that empty void with anything that he can find. He tried it all. Anything that he could have got his hands on, he did. And he had access to a lot. A lot. And so he tried to fill it with anything you can think of. He tried wealth. He had a lot of money. A lot of money. He tried that. He tried pouring himself into his career, being the best king that he could possibly be. He tried that. He tried status, being the most likable guy, being the king that everybody loves, being at the top of the totem pole. That was his goal for a while. Pleasure, anything that he could find that felt good, tastes good, or was fun. That adrenaline junkie, the exhilaration, the excitement of doing something that was pleasurable to himself. And he also sought knowledge. Some of these things don't seem terrible, but he sought them all out. And I think that we do too. I know that I do. I definitely seek wealth. If, if you handed me the amount of money I needed to pay off student loans, oh my goodness, we would be friends. So yeah, I've chased wealth. Career? Absolutely. They, I cannot count on both hands and, and both feet how many times that somebody has told me as I choose a career to do what you love. And if you love it, you want to be good at it, yeah? And so, yeah, I've definitely spent time trying to be the absolute best at my career that I can be. And sometimes I have tried so hard that it has distracted me from the purpose that I set out to do in the beginning. Total transparency, there has been some times where I have been so focused on being a good youth pastor that I lose track of the God that's supposed to be leading me in it. And that's not something I'm happy to say, but it's real. So yeah, I've chased my career. I haven't been around that long. Yeah, I've chased status. Personally, I think I'm a pretty likable guy. I'm biased, so feel free to disagree, but I think I'm okay. But yeah, that's something that I've chased. I've chased status. I've chased being somebody that, that people like, being somebody that people want to be around. 
being somebody that people think is important. Yeah, I want, I want to have value in other people's eyes. That's something I've chased for sure. Probably more so than I would like to admit. I've definitely chased pleasure. I love doing fun stuff. Absolutely. I love doing fun stuff. I love eating stuff that tastes good. Pleasure is not too bad sometimes. Like, it's, it's desirable. Absolutely. But I've chased that too far on several occasions. I've chased knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, I love learning stuff. I have been told a million times, be a lifelong learner. Like, yes, that sounds fantastic. Let's do that. I love history. History is so cool. How it reveals what the future is going to be, basically. That's trippy, but it's cool. Yeah, I've, I've chased knowledge. Um, been sometimes... I've let that influence the way that I approach Scripture. Where I'm so worried about having knowledge about God that I forget that I'm supposed to be learning who He is, not just fun facts. But just like us, Solomon looked for all of this. He, he sought out ways to fill that emptiness. And after all of that, in Ecclesiastes, verse 1 and 2, he says, it, it begins with this, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king of Jerusalem. That first verse is the reason that we think that this is Solomon writing. Um, the preacher, some translate as teacher in Hebrew, that word would have been like an endearing slang word for, for Solomon, they think. He says this, vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities all is vanity. Not a lot of words there, is there? One of them's used like a million times. That's nice. So easy one to memorize here if you want it. Um, in the Hebrew language, if something is said more than once, that's because they're putting emphasis on it. And so he says something twice, emphasis, and then he repeats him saying it twice, and then he says it again. So something tells me that he thinks this is important. I'm inclined to believe him. You see, he realized that all of these things that he was chasing, they weren't quite up to snuff to what he thought he was getting into. See, that Hebrew word that's translated as, as vanity, as vain, also means a vapor or a mist or mere breath. Everybody take a deep breath. Now blow it into your hand and catch it. How'd that work? Try it again. Other hand, maybe my left hand's better. Strike two. Both hands doesn't work either. Man, that's the worst. Did you feel it in your, in your chest? Yeah? That breath was there, right? It's real. But it's not something tangible that we can grab and hold on to. You see, that's, that's what Solomon is saying, is all of these things that he chased, yes, they're real. We feel them. We know them. We know that they're there. But when we try to tangibly grasp onto them and use them to fill something in us, it doesn't work. Then it just vanishes like a vapor. 
It's something that's real, but it's not tangible in a way that we can use it to fill us. Have you ever eaten air? You still hungry? Probably. But yes, wealth is a real thing. That is something that we can chase. But when we tangibly try to use that to fill ourselves, I'm warning you, it's not going to work. When we chase our career, is a career a good thing? At times, absolutely. But if you throw yourself and be consumed by that, yes. When you tangibly try to turn that into something to fill yourself, it's going to leave you short. When you're chasing status and the opinions of other people, yes, they have an opinion. And yes, that is real. And people matter. That's okay. But when you tangibly try to turn their opinions into something that fills you, it's going to leave you empty. When you're chasing pleasure, are there things in this life that are good? Heck yes. But when we try to only cling to what is fun, what is tasty, what feels good in the moment, and try to use that to fill our lives, it's going to leave you empty. Chasing knowledge, yes, that's a good thing. It's good to not be ignorant, but if that is the only thing that you are seeking, when you try to tangibly turn that into something that fills you, yeah, you'll fill your brain, but you'll leave your heart empty. You see, these things, they're vain. Some translations say they're meaningless. But I know what you're thinking, but God didn't make things in vain. And some of these things, absolutely God created. God did not create anything without purpose. Absolutely. But the things that God created were never meant to be a replacement for the Creator. That is what is meaningless. Yes, they are good and they are real, but they are not meant to tangibly replace the God that created them. You see, yes, we were absolutely created to be filled. Yes. But we cannot fill ourselves with anything but God. That's what we were created to be filled with. That is the hole inside of us. And so we cannot take wealth and use it to fill what God created for only himself to fill. It will leave you empty. That is meaningless. We cannot replace God with the things that he made for us to enjoy with him. And sometimes we really tow that line. We really tow that line about, about living the Christian life, but doing it without Christ. You see, even things of God, when done without God, are meaningless. You see, sometimes we take Scripture, but we read it just as words, or we read it just to check the box, or we read it just to know things about God, but we do that without Him. That is meaningless. Sometimes we come to God in conversation, but ever speaking and listening to Him, without, without doing that, we just recite words that we've heard before. Or sometimes when I come to, to my moment of prayer, I do, I do good about getting in a habit of praying before meals, but then I'm hungry, God. Whew, this food looks good. It'd be a short talk. 
And so I hit him with the classic Uncle Paul prayer, bless this bunch as we munch, amen. You see, but that's not prayer. That is not a conversation with God. That's just saying, I hope this food doesn't kill me, and on we go. You see, that is meaningless. When we take those things and we live the Christian life without Christ, it is but mere breath just going through the motions when we sing words to him but we don't praise him going through the motions without him that is not going to fill us that too will leave us empty and the honest truth is we need to be full I don't want to be hungry for Jesus for the rest of my life I want to be seeking him but I don't want to be empty I need to be full. And life is not always a huge fan of that. You see, because I'm, I'm seeking to fill myself, but life comes along and it shakes me up. And it turns my world upside down and pours me all over the floor. You see, I hate being empty. But that's a reality that I face. So if my life is a cup, I'm full of water, yeah? And I'm walking down the hallway or something, and somebody bumps into me, and I spill. Why did I spill water? This is a reality that we face in life. Sometimes we walk around, and, the, and when we get bumped, the contents of our life is spilled. Why did we spill it? It's not because we got bumped. It's not because life shook us up. We spilled water because water is what's inside of us. And so if we claim to be Christian, if we claim to love Jesus, if we claim to be full of him, and we walk around and somebody bumps us and we spill out something other than Jesus, that means that we're not full of Jesus. It's simple. I hate it. I see it in myself every day that I drive on this stupid road. Fort Riley, I go down to the, the construction area, and every single time I pull up to that yield sign, somebody cuts me off. Or I'm waiting because it's a yield sign, and somebody's like honking their horn and waving me on. I'm like, no, you're supposed to go. It's how tra traffic works, dang it. And I get mad, and I get shaken, and something that spills out of me most of the time is not Jesus. That is not what I'm screaming through my windshield. We can only spill, we can only pour out what we are full of. I hate traffic. Satan made traffic. But that's, that's how this works. I cannot be full of anything that I have not used to fill myself. Which means that if I want a glass of water and I have tea in my cup, that tea needs to leave. You see, sometimes I am full of something that I know that I don't want. But in order for me to be filled with God, I have to get rid of that first. Otherwise, I just end up with watered-down tea, which is nasty. I don't even like tea to begin with. 
we have to empty ourselves out because I don't know about you guys, but the only thing that I want to be filled with is Jesus. You see, I've tried that other stuff. We've addressed this. I hate being empty, so I've tried to be full. The only thing I want is Jesus because he has shown me over and over and over again that that's the only thing that works. He's the only one that gets it done. He's the only one I want to be with, and he's the only one that's worth it. And so why do I continue to fill myself with everything else? Or, or sometimes I try to compartmentalize myself where I'll just, I'll just pour water in this half and, and tea in the other half. How does that work? Not so great. I hate it, but I do it. Why? Because then I get shaken and then I get stirred and something is spilling out of me that I don't even like. But I'm the one that put it there. So how do we fill ourselves? We know that it happens. We fill ourselves with the way that we use our time, the way that we use our energy, the way that we use our emotion. What we spend our time on, we're investing ourselves into. We fill our time and our time fills us. What we spend our energy on we pour our energy into something and then it pours back into us. Our emotion. I'm really good at thinking that everything that I do is calculated and logical. I'm really good at thinking that I'm a rational person, but the reality is I'm not. I'm really well designed to do what I want to, even if it's not what I think I'm supposed to do. You see, I'm driven by my heart more so than my brain. That's just how we are. That's fine. That is, that's fine. But we have to recognize that so that it's not ruling our lives. All of those things. Matter of fact, everything that we are, that is how we are filled. A lot of us think that our character or who we are is made by the five most important decisions we make in our life. Nope. It is made by every decision that we make in every moment. Who I am, what I am filled with, is based on every decision that I make every day in every second. Which means that when I come to church, or when I wake up in the morning and read, and read scripture, or when I pray to Jesus, that is me being filled with Jesus. But when I'm screaming and shouting on Fort Riley Boulevard, that's me filling with something else. Every decision that I make, that's what fills me. It's simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. We can fill ourselves with simple things. Simple is good. It doesn't have to be complicated. Read scripture, but do it to know the God that wrote it. Pray, but not to recite words, but listen and speak. Have a conversation with the creator of the universe. Yes, please. Live in community, but love others like Jesus and hold them accountable to love you in return in the same way. That's how community works. It's not just a gathering. Do it on purpose. Simple things done on purpose fill us in legitimate ways. If we come not just to fill seats, but to fill each other's lives with the love of Christ, that would be fantastic. Let's do that, please. And I know that it seems like I'm shouting at you, but I am so sick of the way that I run my life 
I want to be somebody that loves others well, not just somebody that happened to be sitting next to you on Sunday. I want you and God both to know that I care about you deeply, and I want that to be evident in the way that I live my life, not just what comes out of my mouth. Because when my life pours out on you, I hope that it's Jesus. I really do. But there's that tension that when I fill up on Sunday, Monday's coming, and it's tough. That tension is coming when I wake up and do my five-minute Devo in the morning, and I fill up a little bit, that I'm going to burn my hand on the coffee pot. Life is tough. There's things that we run into that take a lot out of us. When we run into that one person that we know is nice, but is really hard to deal with, introverts, that's a lot. That person that requires a little extra grace. So yeah, then we, then we fill ourselves back up, we go to an accountability group. Or we go to a life group, which we're launching a whole bunch of them. They're fantastic. And we fill ourselves but then we get shaken, and then we get stirred, and then we spill out, and we're empty again. And you guys know how I feel about empty. It's the worst. You see, we were created in the garden to be with God. And then sin came and kicked its foot in the door and separated us. That's where this emptiness started. And then there's this whole back and forth all through the Old Testament. And then finally Jesus shows up. And he's like, no, guys, I got this. And he connected us. His life, his death, his resurrection brought us back together. And then he ascended and poured out the Holy Spirit. And that's, that's when we get here. Because now just instead of being with Jesus, he's in us. We have God in us. That's the only way that he's able to pour out of us is if he's in us first. That's what we were made for. You see, we were designed to be full. But what if full wasn't the goal? What if it was bigger than that? Because I know that when I'm full, I'm eventually empty again. That's the problem. You see, but God, he doesn't want to stop pouring himself out. He didn't stop when Jesus ascended. That's why he sent the Spirit. He never quit. He's been active the whole time. He's not quitting on us. Sometimes we act like he does. You see, he doesn't want to just pour a little and then leave you to wrestle with life. No, no, no. His goal has always been for us to overflow. You see, because when he continues to pour into us and we continue to pour out, it doesn't matter if life shakes us or stirs us, guess what we're pouring out? Exactly what he's pouring in. We need more of his grace and he's pouring it on us every day. Thank goodness. So that should be what we're pouring out because it's an overflow. We don't have to be empty anymore. We don't have to wrestle with that. We can be pouring out, which he invites us to do, the way that he pours himself into us so that we can love others the way that he loves us. That's the design. But we can pour out without being empty if we continue to seek him to pour into us. And I promise you, he wants to do that. I hope that's not a surprise. He loves you, not just in the morning, not just in the evening, not just when you're praying, all the time. 
He made you in love. He loved you before you did anything good or bad. You cannot do anything to make him love you less. He wants to be pouring himself into you. So don't let the goal just to be to be full. Overflow. It can be so much better than just enough. Live in excess. Live and operate out of the excess of God's grace and love for you. Let that be what drives you to love others. And I know that others need it because I know that I need it. You see, but this requires daily discipline. Like I said, who we are is made in every decision that we make. So I need to choose to be with Jesus every moment. Sounds a little odd, possibly complicated, maybe hard. Mm -mm. I love spending time with my wife. It's really easy to just to be with her. Jesus wants that. He wants to just be with me. He wants to do all of the things that I do with me, which includes good things. He wants to go to work with me. Yeah, if I try to fill my life with my career, it's going to leave me short. But if I try to fill my life with Jesus and I do my career with Jesus, that would be fantastic. Do I live, life, do I live my life like, I, like he's actually there? It requires daily discipline and daily love. He loves us so much that he continues to pour himself over us. His simple request is that we love him back. It's not complicated, and it's definitely worth it. But I know there's some of you that are sitting where I was sitting this week, and you know that God loves you. And you know that he's pouring himself into you. But you feel so broken, so shattered that you don't feel like you could hold him inside you if you tried. You are leaking everywhere. Do we still trust and know that God is good and that he's pouring even if we don't feel full? Because sometimes, yeah, I'm broken. but he's still with me in that. Do I trust that? And maybe some others of you were with me again earlier this week. It's been a long week. And I was like, well, God, that's great, but can you just do that without me? You see, because I know that you are good and I know that you're pouring yourself out and I know that there are so many people that I love and I care about that need you could you just remove me from the equation because I'm dirty my life is broken I am messy and in my eyes Jesus I am not good enough to be full of you I have a really hard time coming to peace with the fact that God is doing good things in and through me because sometimes I hate myself. And I wish that he could remove me from the equation and just do what he wanted to do. And you know what he told me? He created me with purpose and he would not remove me from the equation even if he could. 
because he made me to be there. You see, God wants to fill us because he loves us. It doesn't matter if we don't love ourselves. He will teach us how to do that. We have to be a part of the equation because he wants us to be. He desires us to be. And so if I have to operate on his love until I can learn to love myself, then he just needs to keep on pouring. And I know that he will. If you feel as though you are unworthy, I promise you that his voice speaks truth even when yours doesn't. You are full of him because he loves you enough to fill you. We were made to be full. And I think the goal was really to overflow so that we can fill every space that we walk into with everything that he is. Because he's in the business of redeeming all of creation, not just my cup. And that's something that I want to be a part of, even on days when I don't feel like I'm cut out to be. And so as we move from this space, if there is something on your heart that you need to empty out so that he can fill you, don't wait till tomorrow for something that you need to do today. Because God is here right now. We need to be much better about living in the present moment. I push all kinds of stuff off for tomorrow. God is here right now. Somebody told me once that we meet God in eternity in the present moment. That is so cool. I want to be there with him, not scheduling him in for Tuesday after lunch. So if you have something you need to empty out, that is okay. This is a time to respond. If you have an overflow in your life and you want to pour that on someone or something specifically, now is a great time to either do that or make a plan to do that. There are boxes in the back. If your wallet is overflowing, fuel the mission. If your heart is overflowing, if you can fit that in the box, do it. If you can't, find somebody. Live, love, and give in excess. Because that is what it means to overflow with everything that he is. I promise you that it's worth it. It can be so much better than just being full. Will you guys pray with me? Father, thank you so much for the way that you love us. Even when we don't love ourselves. Father, thank you for being in action at every moment of the day. That every breath I take, I can be filled with you. Father, when we wake up in the morning, you are there. When we go to bed in the evening, you are there. And you are there every moment in between. Father, teach us to practice your presence. Teach us to be with you. And when we don't know how, show us. Take the reins. Father, I'm not in control of my time with you anyway. I don't know why I act like I am. God, lead me. Teach me. Do with us what you meant for us to do. You designed us to be full of all that you are. 
Teach us what that looks like when we don't know. And when we do know, give us the courage, give us the strength to do it. God, this doesn't have to be complicated. Your love is simple, yet indescribable. So help us wrestle with that tension. God, show us and give us opportunities to be full of everything that you are. Father, we love you and we praise you. Overflow in our lives. Amen.